0: state street in the heart of chicago you are listening to the new home of the chicago bears espn chicago and this is waddle and sylvia wmvp wshe hd2 chicago a good karma
1: brands radio station
0: talking about uh, shane waldron becoming official this is the new Bears oc uh we knew about that yesterday courtney cronin had it uh the Bears interviewed, I believe, nine known candidates. Maybe they interviewed more, but at least the ones that we knew about, they interviewed nine. Most of them had play-calling experience. A lot of them had uh, different backgrounds. Liked it, and Greg Olson told us yesterday at this time, like, this was the only the only system to really pick from, especially for a young quarterback, whether it's Justin and, and getting Justin back up to speed, um, or a new quarterback. I thought this was really good from Greg Olson yesterday.
1: that to me that is the only offense. and I'm, this isn't even just about Justin. If you ask me, all right, you're going to run an offense, Olson. you don't know who your quarterback is. you don't know who you, you don't know anything about your team but I, you need to pick right now what system you're going to run. It is not a coincidence that Brock Purdy and Jordan Love and CJ Stroud and all these young quarterbacks that in a very short amount of time, have really grown into real-deal dudes, right? They they didn't have a real – I mean, C.J. Stroud had no transition. I mean, he he was great as a rookie. Jordan Love, yes, he sat behind Rodgers for years. First time stepping on the field this year. Brock Purdy, this was his first full season. He took over last year in like week 14. For them to have the success they did, it is not a coincidence they're all playing in the same system. Tua, down in Miami, same system. To me, that is the system that every young quarterback could benefit from. So I, if they do stick with Justin, I think it's a good sign that they brought in Shane Waldron. Obviously, he comes from that McVay background. He did a little bit of it. You saw sprinkles of it in Seattle. Sometimes the personnel and whatnot, the philosophy doesn't exactly allow him to like do it to the nth degree. If he comes in and he runs that system at its truest form, what we've seen out of San Francisco, what we saw all year, Matt LaFleur probably ran it the most pure of any of the coaches around the league, right? Shanahan's evolved a little bit because Purdy's got some things that of done that he's good at. And down in Miami, McDaniels has altered it just because of Tua and those wide receivers, and he's put his spin on it. But the floor system, what he ran, I think a guy like Justin, getting him under center, getting him on the move, getting him boots, getting him easy throws, take some pressure off the offensive line that you're not just sitting back there and shotgun all day saying, hey, rush the passer. I think that system protects the quarterback. And the offensive line better than any system in the league and uh, Detroit this weekend with Ben Johnson, same you know right. same idea, same philosophy. It's not a coincidence that teams that have success offensively are all in essence under the same tree.:
0: Entire Greg Olson interview available on the
2: ESPN, Chicago. There will app. be some adaption because, as, and again, this is from Courtney's article, the contrast extends to design runs for quarterbacks. Seattle had just eight the fifth fewest in the league from 2021 to 2023 compared to Chicago's 82, which is the third most. And also she goes on to say one area where this is prevalent in terms of plays outside of the pocket, where things will have to kind of be adjusted. If in fact they move, go f- they move forward with Justin from 2021 to 2023, Seattle quarterbacks left the pocket on 16.5% of dropbacks, which was the fourth highest rate in the league. From 2021 to 2023, the Bears had the highest uh, percentage of dropbacks where quarterbacks created. That's where there is some similarity. So I think that this is a system that can be tweaked, and this is why I wouldn't necessarily say that this is definitive. That I'm connecting any dots in any direction. Others may feel differently, but going to sit and wait and see what they decide to do.
0: Here's more from brear What I hinted at before the break, and if you want to weigh in, three one two three three two. 3776. And then we'll talk to all of our Bears reporters at four about what they think of the hire, then who they think will be the quarterback in 2024. We'll get them on record early here. Uh, Breer on Waldron not being a quarterback guy and why the quarterback coach is going to be a super important hire, as it always is, but more so because he doesn't come from the quarterback background.
3: Now, Shane has some experience working with quarterbacks, but would you term him like a quarterbacks guy um maybe not you know like so like you know that, that that'd be the next part of that and I think that's part of why when you when you move when you move off of um off of off of Luke Getsy you know you also got rid of the quarterbacks coach because you want to give um you want to give the next guy a chance to, to to bring in his own quarterbacks guy so that's all part of it you know and I think that piece of it's going to be really important. And when you look at young quarterbacks like that have made it, you do see really good infrastructure, you know, there like, you know, and um, yeah, I always use the Eagles as a great example of like, you know, when Carson Wentz was really going at the beginning of his career, why was it? Well, you know, he had like three layers of quarterback infrastructure there and Doug Peterson who played in the league, Frank Reich who played in the league and, um, and then, and John Filippo as, as his position coach. So, you know, I, I think that that's a that's a that's a big piece of it now is okay. Like so, Shane's in. Now who's Shane going to bring with him? And honestly, like Shane's got great results out of his quarterback. So I think that that's going to be a um, that's going to be something he's going to be able to address pretty quickly too. Um, you know, look at what he did for Geno Smith the last couple of years. I don't think anybody saw that coming. So um, so certainly he knows what he's doing in that area. If he's not, even if you know you wouldn't consider him specifically a quarterbacks guy. Because that's not the position he came on coaching. There's Albert Pereira.
2: Yeah, this is why I don't think, I really don't, I don't think there's a mesh with Kingsbury and, and Shane Waldron. I may be 100% wrong, but I, are they teaching the same thing? I don't know. So I would expect that Waldron will bring in somebody that he feels may be more in tune with what he's trying to do. Uh, but. It's a mystery. It's all a mystery. My
0: guy Jim on Twitter says, uh, I want to know the bad O.C. hires from day one. When has a local radio station ever looked at the new hope at O.C. and said this guy is going to
2: suck? Well, I would respond to Jim by saying there's no guarantee and I'm not preaching guarantee. What I was looking for personally was somebody who had play calling experience because I don't want to go through this excuse process again. I don't want to go through it and say, well... You know, he just didn't tailor his offense or he wasn't. I want somebody that had been there and done that. It doesn't equate to a guaranteed success rate. But for me, that's what I was looking for. And this checks that box.
0: Uh, I went through the drill today, writing for my column that comes out Thursday. Gary Croton was a, a guy who was ahead of the curve coming from college football, who who was playing the game Um Like the pros was going to be in the future. So that was a great hire. Um, So that was on day one a great hire. John Shoup then corrected then the razzle-dazzle that Gary Croton was and got back to the basics of running the football. So that's why that was a good hire after Gary Croton. Terry Shea, when Lovie Smith came in, was a good hire because he was from the Dick Vermeil tree. And he had head coaching experience. So he gave you a little bit of that, and he had a good quarterback's background. Like, I could give you everybody on day one has a good background of of why they were a, like, Visor guy, Uh, Matt Nagy, was Patrick Mahomes' quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator, knew how to develop, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes oversaw the development, uh, redevelopment of Alex Smith, much like uh, this guy coming in who oversaw Geno Smith.
2: Maybe if the Raiders hire Luke Getzey as their OC, they'll feel differently. Maybe that'll be your exception to the rule. Maybe they'll initially just pan it. Not no, sure. But,
0: but as you as you said, is
2: Luke Getzey the devil, the football devil? I don't think so, but others do. So maybe others will, in fact, pan that higher. The Bears, I think that they're looking at at, at Luke Getzy and Getze in and, and, uh, Las Vegas. Bears ranked, I believe, number one overall in rushing last year, number two this year. Now, a large component of that is the quarterback. But if that's something you're looking for and that's the style you want to play, as much as everyone said Luke didn't fit with Justin, maybe maybe they're looking for something like that.
0: Mike Martz and Levy Smith together made beautiful music uh, as assistant coaches with the Rams. And they did great things. So, or was Lovey's uh, Mike March's assistant in in St. Louis? Like, hey, he's finally going to get uh, Jay playing good football and for a little while. He did, and then after Mike March like did his thing and only did his thing and had no role for for Greg Olson and only wanted to throw and wanted to do seven step drops. And Mike Tice got him back to running the football. Like on day one, you could spin it any way. You can see what they were after, but of course, like a lot of them, don't work out. That's
2: like, why I was interested in either Jim Harbaugh or Ben Johnson, not just being the the offensive minded guy, but being the head coach, because I think the trickle down would have existed in a positive way. Ryan in Lombard, you're on ESPN one thousand. What's up, Ryan?
4: Hey, what's going on, guys? You know, I normally don't call, but this is just really frustrating for me. I love the Waldron hire. And I hear you guys talking about, you know, developing. He's not really the developer, so the QB coach. That's a big deal, and it it might be a big deal. But, you know, it depends on your definition of uh, developing a quarterback. In my opinion, if you start talking about a guy coming in and where he has all the answers and he's above a guy who already got to the top level in Justin Fields, just like Luke Epstein, right? He's going to come in and develop fields. That's where I start worrying because, you don't want a guy coming in telling Fields, you got to do it this way. Let me fix your footwork. Let me fix the way you release the ball. You want a guy that to come in. Just like Andy Reid did with Mahomes, Andy Reid allowed him to play. Did you watch 2018? He's running left, he's running right. It's backyard football. You need a guy come in and allow Fields to just get comfortable and say, what do you like doing, right? You have a guy that can run like Lamar and has the strength of Josh Allen. We know – when they call plays down, the so field, yeah, he'll miss the guy here and there. He's not perfect. He may not be totally Josh Allen throwing the balls. He'll miss a guy here and there. But when you let him play free and you let him throw deep and he's running, there's only one guy in the league, maybe two, Lamar Jackson, that can throw a ball like he did against Atlanta in the snow and break tackles like he can. There's only one in the league that can do both those in the same game. You need a guy that will let him play free. I don't care if he gets 500 rushing yards or 1,200. Leave it up to field. I don't care if he gets thirty three thousand passing yards next year or 4,000. Leave it up to him. He needs to figure it out. And <laughs> until we get a guy that lets him play free, we won't know what we totally have in the field. I believe I do. I think we got a you want him to call
2: plays, too? Why don't we just let Justin call the plays, too, Ryan? You want to do that?
4: Well, I'm not. No, well, I mean, you can take it to that extreme. But you know what I mean. Every time, if you can name me a game where field, we let him throw deep, and we didn't tie a hand behind his back. Name me a game where he looked bad and didn't put up twenty twenty three plus points in the game. Name me one.
2: I don't think he looked very good in the second half of the Cardinal game. I didn't think I don't think he looked very good against the Vikings as well. I don't think he looked good for sixty five or seventy percent of the Cleveland game either. Those are just a couple of examples off the top of my head. And and it, look, I'm not looking to give you just a, a kick-Justin approach. I thought against the Atlanta Falcons he was fantastic. I didn't think he was the problem against Green Bay. But I think that if you come into this realm with the concept of just let him do what he wants to do, you realize, too, that you do have to at some point function from the pocket. Right, Ryan? So you, Oh yeah, I 100%, okay, 100% okay, agree with you. you okay, so to... so like when you do that, you can't lope back from center or from under center to your drop back point and just let it mm. go from wherever you want. There has to be yeah. a pace to it. The ball has to if your footwork isn't correct, the ball doesn't come out correctly. Yeah. If your shoulders aren't right, like uh, there is a there is a coaching perspective to this that will help him. It's not just about, hey, Justin, here's a football. You just go be you, champ. No, you you just can't do that. You can't. Yeah, can, I, can I respond to you of bringing course. up those
4: individual games? So, it, you know, let me just go through these games you mentioned. You're talking about the first Minnesota game.
2: I'm talking, I was talking playing. about the second Minnesota
4: game. Oh, the second one. That's my point. You're bringing up a game where they didn't let him play free. 50% behind the line of scrimmage. But, but, win you, throw but, but Ryan,
2: deep. they do that because that was their answer to – too hot wrong routes.
4: The wrong answer. You don't throw 50% behind, behind the line okay. of scrimmage because of their defense. If so, you would have every team playing Minnesota that year do 50% behind the line of scrimmage, wide receiver screen, that get blown up left and right. That wasn't the case.
2: Tom, that wasn't you, the case. You, do you know what, Ryan? Other teams approach it differently because maybe they trust their quarterback to handle the exotic looks that they're going to see a little bit better. I
4: trust Justin Fields. I know you do, to but you're not the coach, Ryan. So, you're not the coach.
2: You're not the coach. And look, I'm not trying to say that you have to make him a robot, but he's not proven to anybody that you just give him the free reign to do whatever he wants. No coach Listen, is going to do that. Saying,
4: I'm not saying a guy comes in and says, Justin, I'm going to bow down to you. I'm not saying, come on, Tom. I know. You, you just to, said, Ryan, Ryan. What you just
2: what you just said, Ryan, was you got to let him play the way he wants.
4: Absolutely. Just like the well, best that's... coaches let them play the way they play. Brock Purdy, he needs a certain way to play. I wouldn't say you roll him out and let him be Superman. He can't be Superman. He needs to play in a certain system. Just like Josh Allen does. Look at Josh Allen. Look at what he did in that game. You need him to be basically a tight end and let him get comfortable with his athleticism. Justin Fields, when I say play free, I'm talking about more on the athletic standpoint because, in my opinion, when you let him play free from the athletic standpoint, he plays better in the pocket and in structure because he's comfortable, right? I, I don't know how, how you play look-
2: free and athletic from the pocket. There's a, certain, there's a certain process that you play from inside the pocket that isn't free and athletic. I don't know oh, what that I, means.
4: What I mean, when he gets, when you notice the games when they're scripted, when they're ro- more rollouts and design and he gets a couple hits, the next driver in that drive, he looks more comfortable with his footwork, with timing and rhythm. He just does. So I think when you get him going, his engine, I would say, his engine gets going from also inside the pocket. If Lamar Is that a wheel, action,
3: worthy spin?
0: Start what? All right, All right. Uh, Ryan. We got to run though. I, I, uh, good points, I guess. Um, but but we appreciate your call.
2: I would All just, right. I would thank you. I would caution anybody that if in fact they move forward with Justin and Shane Walden as your offensive coordinator, whether you'd like it or not, he's going to be coached.
0: Right? Like uh, you always hear from people, coaching matters, except when he gets coached up and he's not playing. You know what I mean? Like. Which is it? Do you want him to be coached or do you not want him to be coached? You want him to play free, but you want, like, you only want him to be schemed guys open. But you don't want him to, like, he's got to be coached up. All quarterbacks
2: w- w- craved to be coached. That's my only point is that if you're going to play this position, there will be coaching. Todd Monkin is coaching Lamar Jackson. I, I wish Cuddy would have been coached. That's what Cut Cutler Cutler needed. He was coached in Denver with Mike Shanahan. Yes,
0: and that's when it was no no surprise he had his best season there. If they probably would have brought in Arians instead of Tressman, he probably would have gotten the tough love he needed and would have been better. How good? I don't know. I don't know if he ever would have been a star. But I I do believe that you you have to be coached out of your bad
2: habits. And I will give you an example of coaching a player in an athletic situation where you saw a couple of instances where it, it didn't work well. When you boot, there is a destination, depth-wise, on your boot. You don't flatten out your role because when you do that, you make it easier for guys to, to hunt you down. There is a destination. You boot, you get to eight yards. And there were several occasions this year where he flattened his boot and he made himself more susceptible to big negative plays. And one of them was the boot that he ran against Denver where he got hit, the ball was fumbled, and you take it into the end zone. There was another play against Cleveland where he was a little flat on his boot. And the only thing I'm saying to you is, is these are coaching points that they're going to continue to ask him to abide by. And the play is designed this way. It's worked in the past prior to you ever being in the National Football League. So just trust us. And let him, instead of Ryan saying, let him do it the way he wants to do it, we're going to get you outside of the pocket, but your drop point is eight yards behind the line of scrimmage. That's a standard for what we're trying to do. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is a process to coaching even athletic quarterbacks who are dual threat guys.
0: Right. Like in some of the coaching film. Again, the lazy footwork in 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 or just a standard drop.
2: You got to get to your drop back. You. I mean, like everybody says it. If you don't get back to where you need to be in your drop back, you are late. Sometimes. It is the direct result of you getting
5: rid of the ball late because you didn't take your drop with a degree of, of you know, expediency. Or sometimes like the unwillingness to throw guys who you deem not open, and then it results in a sack. And then everybody comes out and says the Bears' offensive line is leaky. You got to give them a better offensive line. So
2: this is the point, Mellors, is you still have to coach guys to do things even in a dual-threat environment. That's all I'm saying. I'm not trying to tell anybody that you take his athletic ability away from him and try to make him the structured quarterback. I'm just telling you, even in these type of hybrid offenses, there's coaching that goes into it. And if Shane Waldron is going to be here and Justin's going to be here, Shane Waldron is going to coach him up. Right. This is the second time that
0: Eberflus and Poles, like, you you believe the polls wanted led this more so than the first time. I yes. personally do, but that's so, just so, my opinion. So they've taken the same type. This guy's gotten way more experience than Getze did. This guy's called plays, um, and he's come directly from McVeigh instead of like one of McVeigh's guys, like Lafleur was. Lafleur coached under McVeigh, um, so twice they've gone to this style of coordinator. And the first time they wanted to run this offense. And in the middle of the first season, they said, we can't run what we want to run. You've got to go play into more of Fields' strengths, right? Doesn't fit his skill set. And then so then they started running more, and that's when Fields ran for 1,100 yards. Mm-hmm. And then now they've parted ways, and what'd they do? Instead of going to somebody who fits more of his skill set... They've doubled down on this type of guy who's got more experience throwing the ball, playing this style offense, not less.
2: And if you listen, more. if you listen to Greg Olson, he'll tell you it's the only style yes. to play.
0: And it's and so. It, do, does that sound like they want to have him play with more freedom or less freedom? Like he, I'm not saying that it can't work. Or he can't work in this. He's got all the skills. He's got all the ability in the world. I'm just saying if it's freedom you're after, this doesn't sound like the coach no. that they're willing to go with freedom. This sounds
2: like they want to do it a certain way. I think that's the case with all quarterbacks. Like Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is going to be given leeway because he's earned it. Josh Allen is going to be given leeway because he's earned it. Lamar Jackson's going to be given some leeway because he's earned it. But I mean, there has to be structure to your offense. They, they, they didn't bring him in to run the RPO. No,
0: that's not what he does. No, they 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 brought him in to run to 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 run his offense where he could throw it 550 times, like you mentioned.
2: And, and I agree with I agree with with Ryan or with Greg Olson as well that he says like look if if they decide to move forward with Justin with Shane Waldron as your offensive coordinator you're going to see him under center more you're going to continue to focus on running the football the boot's going to be a large portion of what you're going to do you're going to move the pocket but at the same time you know some of the principles that you see guys like Jared Goff and Brock Purdy and Matthew Stafford and Jordan Love and other guys who play in the system, those are also going to be on display as well. I thought it was really I thought it was really telling that Jordan Love talked about how the discipline of the offense was necessary for them to actually start to develop. Right. And what Aaron Rodgers would do, and that's where remember last year when Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback, he wasn't on the same page with his receivers all the time. Because Aaron was used to being with veteran guys. Veteran guys that knew whether it was, you know, I I mean, I don't even know. They would freelance. Yes. But this new group of guys, they're playing a more disciplined style. They're adhering to the disciplines of what Matt LaFleur is teaching them. And Jordan Love said it's something that has helped them develop into a really good offense. So all I'm telling you is is they're not just gonna walk into the meeting room with Justin if they decide to move forward with him and go, Hey big fella, it's up to you. You Just do what you want to do. Right. That's just not the way it's gonna be.
0: That's all I'm saying. I'm not telling you that they picked him because they don't want Justin or that Justin can't work. They didn't pick him to give Justin more freedom. No. That's it. Or to play to play looser. Like like yes. He can fit in this, but he's going yeah. to have to meet them. Right. He's going to have to clean up with if, some if of they the fundamentals. Yes. yes, And All you right. would ask that of any young quarterback. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the 50 moments of the last 50 years that we want to cut from our memories. This is a doozy, too. This is a huge, like, you talk about a guy, too, who did things his own way, and it worked for him for a while. It's all brought to you by Great Clips. We're taking the 50 moments in the last 50 years that were not so good after last year's list of 25 moments in 25 years that were the best. And, um, and we're just going to have some fun with what we can. Waddle and Sylvie share 50 moments over the past 50 years that Chicago sports fans wish they could cut. From their memories, presented by
6: Great Clips, number 49. Here it comes. A swing and a smash to first by the diving vaughn. Down the right field line. Kicks into the corner. Ramirez on his way to second. Head first slide. Safe and in the score is Jimenez. And another hustle double. Right over the bag at first. Now Hosey and Anderson square off. He never gets upset about anything. They came up chewing. Anderson squared off. Hosey decked him. It's a 5-1 Chicago lead, but everybody from the dugouts and the bullpens congregated around second base. You never see Jose Ramirez get upset like that. And Tim Anderson was on the wrong side of that punch. It
0: was Tom Hamilton on the Guardians radio network right there. He's got a great voice. That was August 5th of last baseball season. And that really was symbolic because that was basically Tim Anderson's Chicago career getting knocked out for
2: good. Yeah, it was symbolic of so many different things, and but certainly Tim was was one of the faces of baseball two or three short years ago. Changing the game, I think, was the motto, mm-hmm. and the the fall from prominence was precipitous. And I, I mean, it, it really is shocking that you look at Tim in the previous look at the just his batting averages in the previous four years 335 322 309 301 and then in 2023 he's 245 he's 286 on base percentage a minus two war it just went sideways for sideways right. and and then he went down and then he went down and then he went down it
0: like it kind was of just symbolic of his career at it, that point it was it was everything that was wrong with the white Sox season it was everything that was wrong with tim anderson at the end there, where it just became so toxic with his teammates uh, and everything. He's still unsigned, by the way. I don't know when he will get signed. I can't imagine he's going to get signed for more than
5: the league minimum in a it year. I mean, maybe he'll get, you know, he might get a little bit higher than that, but not much. Remember, the crazy thing was he had, for the longest time, you talked about the team-friendly deal that Rick Hahn had secured his services through. And everyone pointed to this was going to be the final season. The team had an option which they declined to pick up. I believe it it was $12.5 million that they declined to pick up after, like you pointed out, uh, Waddle, for. Great seasons by Tim Anderson, including in the 2020 COVID-shortened season. He actually finished 7th in MVP voting for the White Sox. Now, Jose Abreu actually won the award, but it gets lost that he finished 7th. And not only was he the face of the change the game mantra that the White Sox adopted, but do you remember during the uh, Field of Dreams game? Yes. He's the one who punctuated it with that, that was home the run height. call by... Glenn Casper on ESP 1000 it was awesome that was the high point i think of the yes. white Sox rebuild and then this was the low point yes. yeah uh, this I, I, those ended. are the
0: two those are the two like the it's not the starting point but the height of the White Sox rebuild was the, the field of dreams game, beating the Yankees yes. on a national stage. Like baseball didn't get better than that in a regular season game coming out of COVID on a small field in Iowa with Tim Anderson showcasing that, uh, what this new age of White Sox looked like to then getting knocked out by Jose Ramirez. On that field in in Cleveland, where basically he was no longer one of the star shortstops in baseball, now he's going to be a second baseman. And what was funny was he was on Team USA to start the season and did well as their second baseman. And I I think their best lineup was when he started at second base for for Team USA. Remember, Mark DeRosa was raving about him. Yeah, and, and he embraced often, it. And and there was a record for a while for the White Sox during the rebuild and, and when and they were at their height and, and the couple of years that they were really a good team, that when Tim Anderson did not play, the White Sox were a much, much worse team. And when he was hurt, they were much, much worse. And then it just it just flipped. Just all of a sudden, he, he was the, stir that stir, uh, the straw that stirred the drink to becoming the guy that was everything wrong with the White Sox last year.
2: They lost 101 games. It was just. It was very. That whole e- series of events was just symbolic of the White Sox season. Down go the White Sox. Not just Tim, but down yeah. go the White Sox. Yep.
0: yep. And then and down went uh, Kenny. Down. Wait, did Kenny and Rick get fired before or uh, after that moment? Like the, they were all around that same time in August. I think early it was, August.
5: I think it was right after. I it was right after. Yeah, because yeah, because the trade deadline. The Rick and Kenny were still. Yes. Having the white sex. Mm-hmm. And then that next week later, it was when- just
0: all, it all came tumbling down. All right, let me take another call. Then we'll get to uh, Waddle's world. Corey in uh, South shore. You're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Corey?
7: What's going on guys? What's up? I Corey. Corey. <laughs> What's going on? Hey, um, uh, Tom and, uh, Tom. Yeah. You guys there's, there's Tom to, and Sylvie. Uh, yeah. Tom. Yeah. Waddle what is Sylvie? I'm sorry. Um, you guys said you went to the uh, the training camp earlier this year for the Bears, right? Yeah. And you both quoted that you didn't like what you saw, right? Yeah, I did I not like the way it looked. Yeah, it, was not a, okay. it wasn't clean. Was that on the coaching standpoint or the quarterback standpoint? The ball, like what I noticed most, and, and like
0: I took a lot of flack for it, the ball wasn't coming out quick again. Like it, it every practice that I would go to, and I would go on the air, and everyone's like, it's training camp, Sylvie, nothing matters, nothing matters. The ball wasn't coming out quick, and when it was coming out quick, lots of incompletions, and the ball would be on the ground.
7: Oh, okay. So that's on the quarterback is what you're saying.
2: Well, there, yeah, and there was definitely the defense. I mean, you believe sometimes people believe the defense is ahead of the offensive training camp to begin with, at least early on. The defense was much more impressive than the offense was throughout camp from my perspective. And
0: remember, it was always the second-team defense against the first-team right. offense. Right. It
7: wasn't clean. It wasn't clean okay, at all. Okay, so yeah, I'll... Okay, so you guys said it was more of the quarterback than the the coaching cuz I thought you guys cuz a lot of people saying the coaching, 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 but you guys in the training camp and it was more quarterback than coaching than you guys. And then uh the second thing I wanted to say and I don't know if you guys may agree, I think this past year the Bears should have never came in can never came in without a competent center. Yeah, uh, the centers, 100%. They dropped they the ball anchor of the of the of the old line. They should have never came in Without a competent center, because the competent center helps the quarterback at the same time. So this year, I, I just feel, I mean, polls. Yeah, he has hits and he has misses, but he's supposed to never came in without a competent center this year. I
2: think never. he would tell you, Corey, that he made. You know, it's an issue if he could go back in time. He would have addressed it with a better solution. And I definitely think it'll be something that they focus on going forward. Look again. Um, Going back to your your training camp question, I, I have thought from the beginning of this season, whether you go back to mini camps or training camp throughout the course of the regular season, there is shared culpability here. Like There's no one person that I thought was always at fault for what they were doing wrong. I thought player error was a big issue for them across the board. Offensive line, at times wide receiver, quarterback at times, play calling, all of it. It just didn't look good. It wasn't good enough consistently enough. And however you go about fixing that, if it's just the coordinator, then then that's their choice. If it's coordinator and quarterback, that's also, you know, we'll find that out sooner rather than later. But they need an upgrade in a lot of areas on the offensive side of the football.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with the caller, too, about the, the center position that they knew Lucas Patrick was too injured and, and not good enough to start his second year, and they moved back Cody Whitehair, who was not a good center. His best position was guard. A lot of people thought, remember, Durkin told us he thought that Whitehair should have been a cap casualty to begin with. And then and then they started that season, like, that's not what you want to put your quarterback through. Like, that's that is a part of the equation that they did not... They did not do justice to Justin Fields. That was putting him behind the eight ball right out of the gate. All right, let's get to Waddle's World. This
3: is Waddle's World. And in Chicago, Tom Waddle. He can't run, he's not fast, but he gets open. Bears legend.
0: Amazing. Nine career TDs in the NFL.
3: He caught everything that was thrown and took every hit that they could give him. Tom Waddle. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. Welcome to Waddle's World. Come inside.
6: Let's get weird. Let's get weird. Let's and get weird. weird. And Let's get weird. Man. Weird. And weird. Let's, Let's get weird. 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 Weird.
3: Weird. Let's
2: get weird. Oh, yeah. Waddle's World brought to you by our good friends and partners at Wintrust Community Banks. They are Chicago's banks find your nearest Wintrust Community Bank. Visit Wintrust.com slash find us, member FDIC. Lots of news, lots of different sports, lots of different random things in the world as well. But first of all, on the NFL front, uh, I believe it is now official, Brian Johnson has been fired as the Eagles offensive coordinator. Uh, And it looks like Nick Sirianni is going to keep his job, but his coordinators are going to once again be replaced. Last year it was because both coordinators got head coaching jobs this year. Uh, both guys will uh, be replaced because they got fired. And as I reported yesterday, I didn't report it, but I brought to you from someone else's report uh, that Ron Rivera actually has interviewed for the D.C. job in uh, Philadelphia. So um, keep an eye out on, on Ron. Ron has said that he is more than willing to come back and, and get into the league Again, as a D.C. Uh, this is from Ian Rappaport. Sources all signs point to the Raiders hiring former Chargers GM Tom Telesco as their new GM. Rap calls that a surprise. Uh, and Rapp went on to say that Telesco built one of the NFL's best rosters over a decade with the Chargers. Now he's expected to stay in the division. So this is the guy they just fired?
0: Yes. And he would, like, instead of Champ Kelly, the guy who was here... Under
2: pace, they would hire Telesco. That's what they're saying. That ra- uh, that Chargers de- uh, roster, rather, was 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 a lot of talent on. Good it, on for paper, sure. yeah. Uh, not necessarily didn't didn't pan out. Uh, this is finally Todd Bowles. I believe has has uh, has been asked more about this. Uh, Todd Bowles on not using the final timeout. His explanation or his rationale was that the game was over. Said it wasn't a matter of coaching etiquette as to why his team didn't use its final timeout. The Bucks' 31-23 divisional playoff loss to the Lions. He said it was just a matter of recognizing the game was over. He said we would have had 12 seconds calculated after using the timeout to come back from it. I, I, would, I would like to have, go back in time and look at the clock to make sure that that's uh, 100% accurate. He said then we would have had... Then we'd have been down 11 points, so he's assuming that you that make they the made field the field goal. goal, so it's pointless. You kind of know when the game is over, the game was over. I'm not one that is buying that explanation.
0: What happens if there's a miss snap on the field goal? What happens if you block the field goal? What, like... What, there, there are a lot of things that can go wrong, and is not it up to you to exhaust every last snap? Yes, before
2: you die. And here is the, here is the real play-by-play. The Lions quarterback Jared Goff proceeded to take a knee on three consecutive snaps, with the final kneel down at 37 seconds. So I don't know where he's getting that 12 seconds. Statement because had you called the timeout then, then you forced them to run a play. Either they try to kick the field goal or you try to stop them, and once you stop them on that play, the clock then is dead because it's a change of possession. So I'm not understanding exactly. I'm not following along with what Todd Bowles had to say. Um, that I, I, I did not I didn't understand it in, in any way, shape, it, or it form. Like,
0: like, is he just trying to cover his tracks now?
2: Sounds like it to me. Uh, Titans are near a deal with Brian Callahan to be their head coach. Brian Hall- uh, Callahan has been the offensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, he would obviously be replacing Mike Vrabel. Uh, in five seasons as the Bengals' offensive coordinator, Callahan, ha- uh, Callahan rather, has helped establish an offense that has helped Cincinnati go to two AFC division championships and the Super Bowl. Bengals... Offense was 7th in the NFL in points per game, 8th uh, in total yards, and 5th in passing. They also finished 4th in the NFL in offensive DVOA in 2002. Uh, I believe, isn't this Bill Callahan's yeah. son? You know so. where he was
0: born? In a hospital. He, it's probably. He was born in Champaign. Okay. Because Bill Callahan's from here, isn't he? I think yeah, so. He's from Chicago and um, he was born in nineteen eighty four, June tenth, nineteen eighty four in Champaign, Illinois.
5: That Bengals offense has been quite quite good. So uh, I think what really like you know, Jake Browning, the work he did with that's Jim this yeah. last whatever it was, ten games this season. Yeah, listen, Jake was Browning eye-opening.
2: wasn't Joe Burrow, but he was pretty damn good in the role that they asked him to play. So um, So good for him if he gets the job. Uh, A lot of people watching football. NFL divisional round averages record 40 million viewers up 7%. Sunday night's game between the Chiefs and the Bills on uh, CBS averaged the divisional round record of 50.39 million viewers. So uh, everybody is still over the top for for, uh, NFL football.
0: Is that Super Bowl-level stuff? What does the Super Bowl do these days?
8: Doesn't the Super Bowl do nine figures?
2: I think. It's over 100 million? 50 million sounds like a lot of people. Um, An experienced officiating crew is set to work the Super Bowl. That's kind of refreshing after a year where the officiating sucked. Uh, NFL has named Bill Vinovich as its lead referee for this upcoming Super Bowl. It's his third such assignment and his second in the past five years.
5: You You know what that means? Good old I, Vinovich is going to be uh, a rules analyst 10 years from now.
2: And they're going to go to him uh, in the booth? Yeah. Jim Nance. It is like. a pretty soft landing space, isn't well, it? Not a bad. Can, it's
5: very cushy. Three-time Super Bowl referee, Bill Vinovich. Yeah. Vinovich,
0: is he, he's a tapper, isn't he? Does he, he's a, he taps the side of the, uh, the microphone? Not sure. There, aren't there, more pro- not sure. Uh, there, there are some officials who are more pronounced with the way they tap. To make sure their uh, microphones are on more, yeah. aren't I'll have
5: to... Key, I... I've never noticed that.
0: I don't know if he's... I, 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 I looked You may at be venom. right.
5: I'll have to keep an eye out during the Super Bowl. Of all the things I'll be watching for, that's what I'm going to be checking Watch out. Watch to see if he's a tapper.
2: Uh, Harbaugh and the Chargers are expected to meet, like maybe today. I think that uh, would, I personally wouldn't be surprised if, in fact, something's announced today or tomorrow. Justina I, Anderson reported that they are meeting right now. Right. If you're the Chargers, why would you let him leave? Unless he's asking for $50 million a year, and then that's a little bit rich. But I would think that they would try to get this done. I'm also very interested to hear, has there been any names attached to the GM's job in, in L.A. for the Chargers? Or is that
5: isn't Ian Cunningham, Ian Cunningham in the is mix? One of the names.
2: Other than him? I, I mean, maybe you haven't heard a lot of it because Harbaugh's going to have a significant impact on it as well. But Yeah, that would be
5: my guess. Yeah. They want to get that straightened out. Good for him. I love. I
2: love the NFL's better when Jim Harbaugh is back on the sidelines. What about Belichick? You think he's I, going? It's so funny you Atlanta mentioned that. Or Jeff, or the Bill. He's only been to Atlanta. I think they've only like really talked one time. I, but really, what do you have to do to interview Bill
5: Belichick? I mean, I don't know how that goes. Well, I thought isn't it? It's more like him interviewing you, yeah, right? Pretty much, right?
2: Uh, some basketball news: The Bucks have fired first-year head coach Adrian Griffin. That's kind of uh, wait. And what's their record? They have a great they're record. They're second don't... in the East behind uh, Boston, I believe. Thirty and thirteen, I believe. <laughs> Tough crowd, huh? Yeah, we can't even get some guys traded. Like so, and and people
0: think it's going to be Doc. Is that is that who they're firing him for? Is that the reason? That was the
2: rumor. By the way, how get long me... did what's his name stay here in Chicago? The bald who? guy. Oh, Jim Boylan Jim stayed Boylan? longer. Yeah, did he have like two years? I think so. Hawk gets six months, or not even six months, but uh, Jim Boylan got whatever he got. Can we get Jeff Van Gundy back? Can we get him
0: rehired? That's a good question. I miss him on on NBA games.
2: Cavaliers center Tristan Thompson was suspended 25 games without pay by the NBA today for violating the league's anti-drug policy. Tested positive for Ibutamorin, which is a growth hormone. Makes it cheat on and your spouse and SARM LGD four zero three three, commonly used by bodybuilders and weightlifters for muscle enhancement. Mm. Good for him, good, for, you good? Yeah, good for him. got suspended. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. When, when I he saw got that, what he expected, I think
8: Shams tweeted out the uh, the long, like scientific thing that he tested positive for. I thought there was some new disease going around.
2: Well, you wouldn't get suspended for a new disease. Well,
8: it, no, but it said, like, the lead of his tweet was, like, Tristan Thompson has tested positive for SARMs. Oh, and yeah. I was just like, whoa, what,
2: what is this?
8: Uh-oh. You, we're, we have we're,
2: another pandemic coming. All right, when we come back, uh, I have, uh, I believe, the Oscar nominations are out. If you're interested in that, I can bring you those. And there are a couple of other interesting stories that I haven't been able to bring to the table just yet, which I will do just that. That's next.
0: ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Waddle & Sylvie. Watch us and join the chat. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago on
1: Twitch.tv or the Twitch app.
2: The, uh, the Academy Award nominations are out. We haven't talked about these for a lot. I haven't even seen many movies. But the Best Picture nominees... Here's an exercise. How many of these have you even heard of? American fiction, anatomy of a fall, Barbie, the holdovers, killers of the flower moon, maestro, Oppenheimer, past lives, poor things, the zone of interest. Maybe three of them. I've heard of Oppenheimer. Saw it. Yeah, Barbie. I haven't seen that. I've heard of Killers at a Flower Moon. Me too. They'll probably watch that this weekend. I've heard, I've, all
5: of them. If what was
2: Holdovers again? That sounds, I, I that's think. what, I remember.
5: Giamatti, yeah. he, he uh, it's like a boarding school. He's a teacher. And there are a few students that are left, like, like their parents don't have time to come pick them up. What were the
0: first two that you mentioned?
2: I not
5: heard American of American
0: Fiction and Anatomy
2: of a Fall.
0: Haven't heard of those. Um, maestro i guess that's that's bradley cooper Cooper, he got nominated for best actor leonard bernstein
5: yeah it's his story it's a that's on netflix right now i started that and fell asleep so bradley cooper has
2: been nominated for best actor along with coleman domingo paul giamatti for the holdovers killian murphy for oppenheimer is it killian or silly killian uh jeffrey wright for american fiction Best Supporting Actor, Sterling Brown, Robert De Niro, Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer. He was very good there. Ryan Gosling for Barbie and Mark Ruffalo for Poor Things. Is Barbie, like, that good where it's gotten nominated? I didn't see it.
5: I liked it. I liked it a lot. So I should watch Barbie, huh? Listen, as somebody who grew up in the, like, smack dab in the Barbie era, Sylvie, you, you will... It's definitely entertaining. I didn't know that it
0: was like critically acclaimed like that, oh, though. Yeah. I yeah, thought yeah. it was just like there was Oppenheimer. I knew they came out at the same time that Oppenheimer was critically acclaimed. And then I thought there was like this fun movie, Barbie.
5: No, I think uh, Greta Gerwig, right? I think she's I think she directed it. Right. If I'm not mistaken. I'm might... uh, not sure.
2: Doesn't say here. I don't want it. She did not get nominated for best director. But by the way, I think one of the stories was was that Gosling got nominated, but Margot Robbie did not. She did not get nominated. The
5: patriarch yet work again, boys. Yeah, that's a lot of, that's basically what the whole film is about, dissecting. But yeah. it, just so you know, drink. I will say it's worth your time, Barbie, if you haven't seen it. I uh, think it's on Hulu. No, HBO, HBO.
2: It's out. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Drinking uh, just one energy drink a month could increase your risk of sleep problems, a new study shows. I'm not shocked by this. Regularly knocking back cans of drinks like Red Bull or Monster boosts your chances of insomnia. A new uh, Norwegian research report has come out. Young people aged 18 to 35 who had the drinks every day slept around half, uh, half an hour less than those drinking them. Um, I, I, I don't know many people that do drink them regularly anymore. I think Kevbo does. does. I think he? every time Chardug I see Kevbo. does. Chardug too. Chardug does. Yeah.
0: So coffee is not considered...
2: Per se, an energy drink. No. Just a caffeinated beverage. It is. Uh, top three cities in America for the worst bed bugs? Any guesses? Miami. No. Top three. New Los York. Angeles. New York uh, is number two. LA? Not LA? Philadelphia is number three. Ooh. So, East Coast. Boston. Boston. Chicago is number one. No! Really? Chicago is number one. Once again, tops the rankings. For the fourth year in a row, Chicago won the top spot number Oregon's one. top 50 bug cities in the city. And finally, real Why quick. Why is that? I don't know. We're dirty. Um, Tyler, what is it with this whole Stanley, what is this oh, Stanley it's, Cup's It's weird stainless that they
0: Yeah, I I don't under... I've been meaning to ask you guys, what what the hell are these things? I don't know
2: what this is. There are people being arrested. There's people being bullied. People jumping over counters for these. People,
5: yeah, at the Target, it's been crazy, too. So I would say it's not... It's kind of replaced Yeti as the It brand of... And it's been probably over at least a year plus now that it's been the hottest craze. My daughter actually asked for one for christmas it's a huge tiktok thing
8: why uh, just someone on tiktok well, saw it and, and loved well, it and started promoting it and then yes there was the car that caught on fire have you seen did you see the no, car that, and the thing about the yeti is it preserves the ice really well so a car caught on fire and someone on tiktok went into the car
5: shook it and the ice was still in it oh yeah and, it, and basically yeah so the, the stanley cup survived the fire and then so now people are setting great, their cars well, on well, fire no, great, for marketing, TikTok. great marketing by the stanley cup brand they went out and they bought the person who posted it on tiktok a brand new car and that kind of jumped up the whole craze of it it's just a
2: cup isn't it
5: it's a good, it's a good price. Quality, like, no,
0: like this thing
2: that I'm showing right now. Exactly. Yeah, it's,
0: it's more it's like, just that. like. Like I, I get this for eight dollars on, uh, but
8: it a very distinct shape. Like it's got the handle. It's got the big straw. It's like it's. Oh,
2: and here's the thing: the quencher, which holds forty fluid ounces and retails on the Stanley website at forty five dollars, I will tell you, has become a fashionable item. It is probably never even knew the what crazy this was thing is. It is now
5: more that cup. Is more. I think it's more synonymous as the actual Stanley Cup. The brand of cups yes. has usurped the hockey trophy.
0: It's on, smart guys. to call it the Stanley Cup too. Yes. Pull your daughters.
8: Forget your daughters. Pull uh, anyone. Yeah, under, I don't under, think under, I'm not. No, no, sure. I, pull I anyone you, under
5: the age of twenty. I and, bet you clean sweep. I don't sweep. have
8: anyone under the age of twenty it's in my true. house. I bet it's you true. clean sweep. All four of your daughters have one. Okay, I'll text them at the break. By the way,
0: John Zick says
8: that he works for
0: Orkin and that bedbugs are everywhere from hotels to apartment buildings to condos. I want to know why Chicago is number one, though. What makes us more of a bedbug capital? I don't know. So I'm not sure. John, uh, tweet back. All right. Uh, let's do a little bit of a Bears town hall. Uh, did the Bears get it right uh, with their new OC and Shane Waldron? And I want predictions on record from our Bears reporters that we talked to. Coming up, we did this once before, and I'll tell you, it's fu- wait to hear when we did this. I don't know if you'll guess when we last went on record to make these predictions. Who will be the opening day starting quarterback for the Bears? We're asking them to go on record right now. We'll talk to our reporters next.